Hey, it's Tarek Mankey once again from 49ers 40 Guard Labs. I'm joined with another special guest uh, for the second time now, uh, Tony G. How are you doing, Tony? Uh, I'm doing awesome. I'm doing awesome. It's always good to be here, Derek. Yeah, you're always smiling. I, I, I enjoy that. <laughs> great, great conversations. Uh, so, hey, you know, I wanted to pick up uh, where we left off last time. Uh, we, we talked about the concept of playbooks, which I want to get into. Um, you know, I was thinking about this and saw the uh, the latest advisory put up by the FBI and CISA. Uh, it was a advisory talking about the top 10 most commonly exploited vulnerabilities uh, in the last uh, year, really, in 2019, 2020. And a lot of this, I don't think, came as a big surprise to me. And it talked about uh, typical endpoint attack targets like, uh, you know, office documents, OLE, the object linking embedding, um, some server-side stuff with, uh, like, um, struts and, and web websites as well. But, you know, a lot of these volumes were from 2017, 2018, 2019, fairly fresh. Uh, they called out that uh, what's contributing to the success of these attacks, which we read about almost every day, especially now with um, with the COVID-19 threat landscape was, uh, you know, um, poor employee education when it came to, you know, phishing scans, these sorts of things with file attachments, but also a lack of contingency plans and uh, recovery tools as well. So I, I know this is a dialogue we've been talking about for a while, but it seems to me, you know, that we, we still keep talking about a lot of these, uh, you know, continued issues that we have, and now we're having to deal with extra issues like COVID-19 threat landscape, and as you know, on the back end, all the stuff we're working on, which is a lot more, uh, a lot more of the the complex stuff that's still uh, happening too, right? With targeted attacks, targeted ransom, so forth. Yeah, you know, I, I have um, I have two comments there for that. Yeah, you know, I think uh, number one, if you're responsible for protecting your organization's cyber assets, I think one, you need a slight mindset change. And number two, you need to start getting a little bit more granular, I guess us in general in cybersecurity, more granular at how to measure the effectiveness of your security posture. And I'll, you know, I'll give you an example here. Um, you know, Derek, you and I will get on our soapbox and we'll start talking about um, a specific threat actor. You know, maybe it's a new campaign whatever it may be, but we'll dive in deep into what the activity is, what the overall mission is, what were they after? And then at the end of that, what typically does uh, a customer then ask for to make that information actionable? Yeah. They yeah. usually, will ask, right? I mean, what do they ask for? Static stuff, right? IP addresses, they ask for hashes, mm -hmm. they ask mm -hmm. for your you, URLs and URIs, and that's, that's fine. But man, those are those things constantly change. Um, it's good to have that, but I think a lot of organizations, that's all they can do to be able to make that information that you and I give to them actionable. You know, maybe yeah. some of them will look into some network artifacts and some system artifacts, but what they really should be looking at is the activity. Give me the behavior of that threat actor, the tactics yeah. and corresponding techniques so I can start to turn that into real action. You know, that's where you get a lot more granular into really measuring how effective you are against the stuff that you're continuously talking about all you know all the time yeah absolutely and it's worth a worthwhile exercise i think so we'll talk about that in a second because you know one, one of the key themes that we always talk about is is risk and you know i've been talking about this for you know well over a year warning of, of the the rise of that 
that data breach cost, and we just did an episode showing the average cost of a data breach is close to $4 million US, but that's getting even higher now in these targeted ransom cases, you know, especially in OT environments. Um, and the only way that you can protect against these is try to be proactive, to operationalize it, right? I mean, um, like you said, I mean, this, uh, you and I know the, this terminology, the pyramid of pain. We've talked about this uh, for years, right? Yeah. I mean, what, what you're alluding to is those, those, um, those artifacts, those static artifacts, the IPs, ERIs, file hashes, um, they're, they're off, you know, by the time you get them, they're often too late. And then plus from OPEX perspective, if, you, if you're not, if you're not operate, uh, operationalizing that, um, it takes time, right? You have you have uh, you know sysadmins trying to go into multiple devices, point products, try to you know adding security policies, and and really um, at the end of the day, well, it may cover a little bit of ground. It's not covering um, enough now because the attack surface is bigger. The granularity you talked about, I think, is key, Tony. Um, you know, as you know, at FortiGuard Labs, we're working on uh, the adversary playbooks. Um, so, well, we have to cover uh, all of the stuff that we talked about, the static stuff. Uh, we, we do that uh, mostly through, you know, automation, machine learning, artificial intelligence. Um, we also have to really understand the behavior of uh, these attack cybercrime groups, right? So not just the what, but the who, the why, the where, how are they operating? What tools are they using? What's the latest flavor? Um, oftentimes, that's a lot harder for them to change, right? And so that's what we talk about with the pyramid of pain. Our static artifacts like IP addresses, URLs, file hashes, they're very cheap for a cyber criminal to, to change. Mm -hmm. so they're using automation to do that as well. But it's harder for them to change their tactics. It's, um, you know, they literally have to go back to the drawing board. So. So that's what you know we're doing in FortiGuard Labs. Um, you can find them on FortiGuard.com. They're the the uh, adversary playbooks that we release, and this is a heavy lift granularity, doing a, a deep dive into the eyes of the attacker. Again, um, trying to understand their the, the past, the present, and the and potentially the future where they're going to be moving. So that's all great. We can release this into the adversary playbooks. But I think it's important for our viewers and end users to really understand how do, how do they how do they leverage that? How do they put the, the rubber to the road? How do they make that actionable? Right? I think that that's key. What, what we're talking about with operationalizing it. Yeah, you know, and that's a, you know, and I get asked that question quite often. And I think um, where a lot of organizations fall kind of short in the beginning is they don't have that methodology. What? How do they operationalize something like the adversary playbook? Um, and you know. You know, for those of you who aren't, you know, familiar with um, the MITRE ATT&CK, uh, you know, framework or knowledge base, um, that's what a lot of these, um, you know, threat actor playbooks um, actually, you know, consist of their tactics and corresponding techniques that are mapped back to, you know, the MITRE knowledge base where, you know, they basically show you or at least kind of give you a snapshot into all the different uh, sort of techniques adversaries are known to do to complete their actual cyber mission. Um, and the beauty of that, that that's actually there now, at least organizations now have the ability to um, use that as a guide to walk them through. And typically what will happen is you'll look at this threat actor playbook and you'll see, here's the actual technique. Okay, well, you first want to build an actual methodology and usually you want to understand what the actual technique is. Once you understand that, then you want to be able to look, and there's a lot of ways to be able to do this. You want to look at different types of tools to reproduce 
that particular technique. You can do that through simulation tools or, you know, you can do that through a lot of open source tools that are freely available out there. Find which one works, you know, for you. And then you move into being able to set up your security controls, go ahead and test those against your controls. And then you, as you're monitoring it, you move into, okay, well, let me evaluate, you know, what happened? Did I actually even trigger on it? Did I block it? Did I detect it? You know, where am I with that? And then you move into that final phase where you're going through and you're reviewing everything. And then you have, you're going to find out as you go through this repetitive process for each technique, you're going to probably notice that, hey, I'm not even grabbing the right logs. I don't have process data. Um, I don't even have the right, you know, controls or I have a misconfiguration, whatever the case may be, you're going to document all that. And now you're going to start to get a deeper view, more granular view of your um, uh, your uh, security effectiveness. What are your security controls? How are they holding up against those latest threat actor tactics and corresponding techniques? Yeah, no, it's a great point. What you're talking about, of course, is the what we call the blue team, the defensive side of the house. But it's 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 the same practice. It depends what team you're on, right? I mean, like. For us, when, when we're doing threat hunting at FortiGuard Labs, it's the same concept. I call it threat illumination. It sounds like a fancy word, but it really is a discovery process, right? As you're going through and understanding more about how they operate, you uncover more stuff. I mean, it's like treasure hunting, if you will, right? Because you're doing that threat hunting and discovering new artifacts, new methodologies, new ways. And, you know, the, Tony, the, the way I really think about this is uh, it's... it's uh, it's a it's a game board analogy I look at right. Um, it's 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 applied perhaps in different platforms in different ways, but strategically it's it's a way to to well, I mean to be strategic without flying blind. Um, it, it it can be compared often to sports analogies right with football. Uh, e even in our world in cybersecurity, um, it is a sport. I, there's cyber rangers. There's uh, capture the flag exercises, red team blue team exercises, and it's about um, you know, in a red team, blue team exercise, if you were to know, this often doesn't happen uh, because it's real world exercises they do, but if you were to know how they're going to attack you, right, in other words, have a playbook on, on that red team, you're going to be much well, uh, you know, in, in a much better position, right? I mean, this goes back to the art of war with Sun Tzu and, <laughs> and really military strategies, everything, right? It's the same idea. It's, it's about that reconnaissance phase, knowing the enemy, and that's really what the, the playbooks are about. On, on the adversary side, like, yeah, the operationalizing that, um, putting together that strategy, making sure you have coverage from a, a, a blue team or defensive side is, is, is um, really where where all of that comes together and, and that risk can effectively start to be mitigated, right? Yeah, you know, I totally agree. And, and I, you mentioned, uh, you said kind of red team, blue team. I, you know, I, I, I can't, I know I stress this all the time. Um, you know, a lot of these blue team folks, um, it's very important for them to understand the red team side, man. They got to understand, you know, put your mind in the mindset of one of those red team folks, because if you can do that, the better off you're going to be at making sure that you're shoring up as many gaps as you can. Um, if you're fortunate enough to work in an organization where you have a red team and you have a blue team, then you can do some of those purple teaming exercises where they can go ahead and try to penetrate your, you know, 
uh, security controls and you can work together to see where the gaps are. You can talk to them as to, well, what did they do? Oh, okay, you did this and this is what happened. This is how you got in. Okay, I'm gonna shore that up. And now yeah. they figure out another way to do it. So, I mean, if you're lucky enough to have that, that's awesome, but a lot of times you're not and you're left on you know, your own. So when, you know, like they always say, the best defense is a good offense, right? So understanding what the adversaries are kind of doing to be able to complete their, you know, uh, complete their cyber mission is like super important. Yeah, and, and I think, yeah, I completely agree. And I think the other, um, you know, the other uh, perception out there which we need to break is the fact that, so I, as I said at, at, at the start of our conversation, um, you know, we keep on talking about the, the simple things that are broken. Uh, again, the patch management, um, education, cyber hygiene. We continuously need to work on that, I think, because it is evolving all the time, right? But we also have to really, um, you know, all of this that we're talking about, the, the attack framework, because there's a lot of elements to it, uh, that, that pyramid of pain, focusing on the granularity. First of all, that's why we... That's why we're doing a lot of this on the back end, right? So, so we're reducing those cycles, so so customers and end users don't have to do that. Yeah. Um, but as we talk about this, I'm sure to a lot of people, a lot of people when they ask about my job and you explain some things, they think it's very daunting, right? And it's super complex, and um, and they, they don't know really where to begin. But but the reality is everything that we that we've been talking about, especially with the blue team integration, now that you have security orchestration and platforms, it. Um, it doesn't have to be complex. I mean, I think that's the whole point, right? Yeah, it definitely can be a lot. I mean, there's a lot of tools and processes and documentation out there that's uh, documentation is kind of, you know, freely available and really it makes it a lot more, you know, uh, simplistic now. I mean, it's still, you know, you still have to kind of put forth the effort and what have you, but yeah, it makes, it's a lot easier these days. And as long as you, build a framework or at least have a you know what your vision is and the you know the different types of components that you want to kind of put into that you know methodology overall sort of framework yeah there, there's a lot of different kind of tools out there and i would also mention um it's also you know super important um to you know the folks that we have you know defending our cyber assets you know these days these folks have to be passionate you know, they got to know their why. Why are they doing what they're doing? Because if they don't have some passion mm -hmm. in being able to find those, you know, threat actors in the environment, it's going to be tough to be able to keep them out. And you got to have that, you know, that passion to be able to do what you do. So I would definitely say, you know, know your why. Why are you doing what you're doing? You know, it really helps. I think, and I think, well, you and I know this, but I think that's the exciting thing, right? Because if you are doing that threat hunting, understanding the threat actors, um, certainly, I talk about this with my job all the time. This is very dynamic, which makes, you know, quite frankly, I think makes it interesting and, and drives passion because, yeah, I mean, a lot of the times if you are just doing the same task every day, it can become quite mundane. But in, in the world that we're talking about, it's it's not like that at all, is it, Tony? <laughs> well, you know, sometimes a little bit too much. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. But, but you know, again, yeah, it it's definitely can be overwhelming for us. But that's that's why we're here, right? and that's why we work together. That's why we work on our... Our, our threat intelligence partnerships as well. It's all a matter of collaborating, bringing, bringing more people to the game. And so this is exactly why, why we're doing those uh, pro, the adversary playbooks, understanding more about, about the attacker and, and working with all that, that, that you know, from the 40 guard labs angle, working all that integration into the security fabric. I think it's really exciting stuff. Um, 
So, hey, Tony, uh, we're uh, out of time again. These talks always go super fast. Uh, but I, I think from what we're talking about, there's a lot of there's a lot of follow-up we can definitely do. So I look forward to the next chat with you. Um, and uh, we can pick it up from there. All right, man. That sounds good, Derek. Until next time, bro. Okay. Take care. Yeah. Bye-bye.